pension veterans, and everyone who's ready to change their lives. Welcome to the Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. Join your host, Marine Corps trained motivator, Christina Silva, as she connects with experts, innovators, and military heroes. Now, let's get started. Here is Christina Silva. Yeah. Well, thank you. My name is Christina Silva, and I am your host, and I've earned the right to say that educating our veterans is truly a community responsibility. And every week, we call it a sheer honor to host and celebrate the accomplishments of our military comrades from every era and every branch of our U.S. Armed Forces. And without further ado, today, we would like to thank Voice America for making our show live and for also taking the charitable stand to make sure that our rights, benefits, resources, and our conversations can be unbridled. That is an amazing honor. And I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran. So when you're listening to The Christina Silva Show, you're doing it with empathy, compassion, and also with the right to want answers. And how do we give you the right creative resiliency solutions? We invite subject matter experts that have lived the story and they've survived the unthinkable and now they rise. Joining us is our United States Marine Corps Chief Warrant Officer 2, veteran and leadership voice advocate to the voiceless, Sherman Gillums Jr. Now we welcome him as a groundbreaking trailblazer, a visionary, and a living legacy. Yes, he's on the screen, and it's hard to listen to someone bragging about yourself. But Sherman Gillums Jr. is a remarkable husband, father, leader, and voice, and he's serving currently as our Chief Strategic Operations Officer at NAMI. So everyone, let's say happy Cinco de Mayo to independence and freedom and celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month, May 5th, 2021, with Sherman Gillums. Have you ever held on that long for an intro, Sherman? I don't think so, and I'm quite embarrassed, but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the service, uh, not only in uniform, but also what I do out of uniform, which is help individuals find pathways to healing uh, after facing mental illness. So glad to hear it. Your 12 years in the Marine Corps are unforgettable years, and just glancing at your social media portals and at your bio online and also what you've shared with me about your amazing accomplishments means the world to everyone, especially civilians and those that are still in their camis and those that wore them. And our uniforms have changed over the years, but the brass, eagle, globe, and anchor is in our hearts. And so when I asked for you to come on the show, I knew that I had to wait and earn the right time so that when you did come, and share your chief strategic position at NAMI, it would be to say five years, you're not alone. So share with us the meaning of mental health illness and the way that I want the show to roll out is to give everyone a different look upon mental illness. We're not here to define it as some series of conditions. We're here to talk about the resolution and how you live and get up each and every day to make a difference. Take it away, Sherman. Thank you, Christina. Well, there's a there's a context to what we call mental illness uh, defect disorder, and it often depends on the environment in which you operate. Those of us who serve in the Marine Corps, we're familiar with insomnia. We're familiar with uh, high risk behavior because that's the nature of the job. Uh, but when you get out and that transition has to happen, letting that go, especially when it's uh, colored by combat or a, uh, a traumatic experience that's uh, part and parcel of serving in uniform. 
Um, it, it comes across a lot differently. And when people uh, can't adapt to the, their new environment, um, in some cases, it's not due to something that happened to them. It's due to something that's inside. Uh, there's a genetic component to some of these uh, issues that happen to individuals. I think that just about any uh, what we call mental illness uh, is recoverable and, and an individual can live a full life if given the right support, if surrounded by the right system. And if used, uh, if, if put in a position to not only better understand what is happening between their ears, but also um, in some cases, it's, it becomes to their advantage to express, for example, depression in the form of creative expression, where, you know, a lot of people write great books and paint great paintings when they're depressed. And it's a lot of it has to do with, with how it's processed. And if you better understand mental illness, there's a chance that uh, you'll still live a full life despite what, what would be considered, a, um, you know, a, again, a disorder or a defect. Well, you promised me something that I'll never forget, and that is to be raw, natural, and just to reveal the reality about your life. And I just want to applaud your service, and I could not thank you enough without saluting you, and I'm allowed to do it without my cover. Thank you there, Chief Warrant Officer Gillums, for your amazing intent to help others truly see the brighter side of the dark side. So with that, who is Sherman Gillums? Give us a little bit before the yellow feet about where you grew up and your family, and then take us, advance us to the day when your life changed for the better. Well, that's, um, I, you know, I haven't thought about that in so long because we've been so caught in the moment that it really does matter who we become uh, or who we are before we face uh, trauma and the things we're all kind of faced with right now. Uh, but I was just an ordinary kid growing up in Buffalo, New York, uh, a middle-class family. I was raised by a mom after my father died when I was pretty young, had some siblings and, um, and just worked hard in school. I did very well in school growing up. Um, I didn't think about college a whole lot. I was that kid that watched the commercials with the, the green and dress blue slaying the dragon. Um, and, uh, when I was, when I turned 17, I went to see the recruiter and I was actually at the recruiting office for my 17th birthday, getting all the evaluations done, taking the ASVAB and all those things. Um, so I actually signed up after my mom signed over permission to, uh, to get into the delayed entry program. And from that point, I think I thought I was a Marine at that point because I had already signed up. I had the sweatsuit they give you and you, you run in at school, you know, during track practice, but it was in my blood because my grandfather had served in Korea during the war and he was a, a big role model of mine and all of his brothers, all of them served in every service in every war uh, since uh, World War II. And, uh, and they, they, so we had a legacy of service in our family. So it was almost without question. And, uh, and then when I went into the Marine Corps, I was 18 years old, uh, spent probably the first half of the year uh, in, in terror, just trying not to get noticed and get in trouble and, and just do what I was told, which I was pretty good at by that point anyway, uh, because my mother was a pretty strict disciplinarian. But that, you know, that, that I evolved into the individual I would become, which is somebody who was vested with leadership experience very early. So I made a lot of mistakes on the front end of what would be a long career of leadership uh, opportunities and uh, eventually um, served 12 years, rose to the rank of chief warrant officer, which is a commission, went from private to a, a commission, which is... Uh, what we call a Mustang in the Marine Corps. We call it that because it's hard to break a Mustang. So you can't take somebody who was enlisted and make them an officer and send them to knife and force school and expect them to comport themselves like a, a lieutenant. Um, 
So that's a pretty proud uh, legacy I left behind. And my, my daughter right now is at the Naval Academy, so she'll go straight into a commission. Uh, but but that influenced her to pursue her own military track. So I'm, I'm quite proud of having laid that foundation for her. I could say a whole lot more, but I think that's the most interesting part of my life. Well, you know, I have to agree it is, but there is another great part of your Marine Corps career that gives me chills to this day. Not only the national anthem where we stand with pride, but it's that drill instructor voice. So can I get a little bit of cadence and maybe a drill instructor's Marine Corps ura? You know, I used to I used to use that voice for my kids and it didn't quite land the way it did on, on recruits. Um, but every now and then I have to call my son. Hey, come here, you come here. What are you doing? <laughs> definitely. You know, definitely. Stop looking at me. You know, <laughs> but but again, it, it doesn't work on millennials. They, they for some reason, they're immune to the to the fear factor that we would get uh, from 18 year old young men at Paris Island. Um, but, it, you know, when you use your voice and, and, and it becomes a, a tool. Um, and it, it elicits confidence and, and um, I don't use it often in the workplace, but it, but it is fun every now and then to harken back and, and pull that out of my gut to, uh, to bring a point across when I want to be very persuasive. Yes. So I guess it doesn't pain you anymore to be a department of the Navy because of your daughter's new commissioning in the U.S. Navy. Well, there's still hope because she can choose to go Marine Corps. <laughs> so, I, you know, we're, we haven't lost all hope yet. But for now. It's just beat army. So I'll settle for the Navy while it's beat army. But uh, but until she has to make that decision, I will remain hopeful. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have led such groups that I belong to, such as AMVETS, the Paralyzed Veterans of America organization. You're healing with those programs, and you're also knowing that veterans have a choice. So with mm-hmm. all of your accomplishments there, Drill Instructor and Chief Warrant Officer, too, let's talk about your leadership and accomplishments at the White House level. Mm-hmm. How about two or three instances where you can define what veterans have to choose for NAMI's resources and at the VA? Mm-hmm. Well, this is, I mean, it, it spans the gamut of, of needs in the veteran community. When we talk about veteran suicide, for example, um, there's not a whole lot that the government at the White House level can do per se. They've thrown a lot of money at the problem. Um, I think the real opportunity is in the accountability, though. You know, how are we measuring um, crisis and and failure and success in terms of the numbers of men and women who make the uh, faithful choice? Uh, That does start at the top. That starts with the intent of the commander in chief and his uh, agency leaders to uh, prioritize this as a as a crisis, like we did with the pandemic and like we do with, uh, you know, the economic issues we've seen in the past decade. Uh, This is definitely a crisis, not just for veterans, by the way but for the country because of what's happening with the pandemic. Um, but when I, when I go to the White House, a lot of times I'm bringing the voice of the veteran who would otherwise never have that audience. And I've engaged President Obama and President Trump uh, at various opportunities to remind them that, you know, while you've got a lot of things you have to take care of, it shouldn't take another 9-11 to remind you of what it, what it meant to have people who were willing to stand, you know, before, you know, the country in danger uh, and ask very little in return, except to be treated fairly and to get the benefits they've earned, um, not the bureaucracy that many face. So a lot of times it's not there uh, for fun. I'm not I'm not taken in by the moment. It's more about let's see what we can make happen and have these people understand that they're they're there for a reason. And, and they need to live up to that reason that that um, 
that we put them there in many cases. Um, veterans don't vote as a voting block, and that's unfortunate because there's never a political price that many of these people pay for not um, tending to veterans' issues. It's, it's kind of an apolitical issue, but because of that, you don't get a lot of resistance to anything. You just get inaction, and that's unfortunate. But, but I've been fortunate to be uh, at the table with both presidents and able to get things done in the form of, uh, for example, benefits for Blue Water Navy veterans or, or caregivers, military caregivers and things like that. Uh, fertility assistance for wounded warriors, you know, things that should be a no brainer. Uh, we had to fight for that stuff. So uh, so I'm happy to have that as part of the, the resume of successes I've enjoyed as, a, as an advocate at that level. Thank you so much, Sherman, for your efforts in giving us the background to what you really care about. And when we give titles and meta tags and acronyms to ourselves and we're digitally plastered all over the internet, your face is consistent with being the voice for the voiceless. So I want to say thank you. And throughout the show, what is different about educating our veterans and my plight as your fellow comrade is we give the resource links to where to go and be interactive with the show. Because in this next segment, we're going to be talking about not only the VA Veterans Choice Program, which is currently updated with new happenings for us in 2021, we want to talk about NAMI's mission and the recent events like the walk and how we can get involved about mental health because it's no longer a topic we see sweep under the rug. It's one that we make palatable and necessary. So tell us about Mental Health Awareness Month and what NAMI's doing. Well, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, you know, I hear a lot about what good it does to have these these awareness months at all. Um, I think it's, it's good to have a time, a point in time, when we all are brought back to the center on certain issues. And while mental health doesn't um, there's nothing about May that makes mental health any more or less important. It's just, it, it gives us an opportunity to stop what we're doing, think about our mental health, think about our children, what they're going through, especially this year. Uh, when we're now one year, a little over a year post-COVID, and mental health is not something that that just jumps out. It sneaks up on you. When I, when I say mental health, I'm really talking about, you, you know, your, your uh, the mental wellness uh, aspects of living that are challenged by things like feeling under constant threat of a, of, a, of a virus or watching television around the clock and hearing nothing but bad news and the cinemization of, of shootings and all these things that factor into how we view our lives. Uh, and it's very real. And, and what, what NAMI does that is important, um, it takes something like mental illness and it expands our vocabulary in terms of how we talk about it. If all you know about what's going on with you is you're depressed, you're going to think about it in those terms. But if you can take that depression and, and expand ways to talk about it, that's why it's important to get psychotherapy because you're going to, they're going to add more dimensions to how you understand what's happening and you've got greater control when you can describe it, when you can go beyond saying I'm sad to, you know, it feels like things are going bad, but I realize this is, you know, chemically what my brain is, how it's processing what I'm seeing. Um, and maybe a pill is what I need right now to, to bring that into balance because it is about your serotonin levels and things like that. Um, but when people, when people make the choice to end their lives, a lot of it is uh, the cumulative effect of hardship. It's not one thing. It's not even like five or, or 10 things. It's the accumulation over time of all these things that if you dealt with them in isolation as separate issues, you could save lives. You could stop folks from spiraling downward, um, but you have to be able to get to them 
So we hope that May uh, Mental Health Awareness Month is a time when people will prioritize what we call the self-care. In other words, that, that's another way to talk about it. Self-care. Take care of yourself, you know, and pay attention to the muscle between your ears because that's just as important as your skin, your teeth, and your heart. Wow, Sherman, that is such a picture of togetherness and the responsibility socially and economically. Along with our pandemic, there are just so much that we can, there are so many circumstances we can look forward to that spiral us all into being susceptible to a form of mental illness that's new. And it doesn't segregate our military from law enforcement and other underrepresented communities around the world. That's why today's show is so important as a call to action to all of humankind. And on behalf of the voiceless, we're here because many are suffering in silence. So the protected classes of our world, we want you to know are 10. Now, as a real estate broker, licensed in California and Nevada, I have to give you one of my license numbers for correct purposes on the air, 01260394, 22 years in California, I learned that a protected class is not only a veteran, it's actually coming to the forefront that the handicapped, disabled, able-bodied person and those with race, color, creed, sex, national origin, gender identity, religion, and sexual orientation are protected. And NAMI knows that. So I'm so happy to say if you're listening and you're a young adult, your youth, your parents are there, you're in the military, you, you're a spouse, you happen to know that you're an entrepreneur and you're looking into becoming more involved in the community for charitable, charitable advancements, all you have to do, and I know it's a mouthful, is get activated. Inside yourself, make a promise to get involved and reach out. And I speak with hand gestures all the time, and it gets your attention because I know you're looking at the left hand of my screen. Sherman and I are here to tell you, this is the day that you take the step and you look at two faces, both male and female, coaching you to take the first step. That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. And FAITH is an acronym that I want to use today, if that's okay with you, Sherman. My acronym means a fearless ambassador intending to help. And when you become one, then you can take a look at some of Sherman's quotes that we'll be talking about at the end of the show in a special second closing segment of the Christina Silva Show. Sherman, I know you played games when you were a drill instructor with the recruits, but today is no laughing matter. We want to talk about macro and micro aggressions in the workplace and in the community. That Mm -hmm. systemic racism is not about killings and stealing and theft and sexual harassment, it's deeper than that. It's about your hand gestures, your smile, the words you did or did not say, and your actions. And that's the Christina Silva definition of macro and micro aggressions in the workplace and in my community. Why don't you, as our expert today, share with us examples of some of the cases we talked about in our press and some personal or professional circumstances you've overcome as a leader with your staff and your family mates about this issue? You know, one of the, the, the greatest experiences I've had in, in my life is uh, being in the military in an environment where it's a true meritocracy. Um, and I can't speak for everybody, but it's the one place where you have a lot of people from different places around the country who would never encounter a person like me or I like them. And we're thrown in a fighting hole. 
or we're, we're in a barracks, we're thrown together and we're forced to, um, to engage each other and, and ask what might perceive as the dumb questions. And you know how the Marine Corps is. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of a rawness to how we talk to each other. So we're going to ask questions that might not be um, you know, conducive to you know, good social etiquette because it's just us, you know, maybe we're over a beer and we're asking, asking questions that might sound foolish, but I think some of the best relationships I fostered were with people who didn't understand me. Um, and, and in fact, it was my first bunkmate in the Marine Corps was a guy who was a self-admitted skinhead. He had never met a black person in his life. Now, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not going to give him any awards for, for being a skinhead, but by the end of it, Stevens and I, uh, because we were thrown in a hardship together, there's something about common misery that, that uh, drops those, those divisions. Um, and I'm not sure what happened after we left, but he has no excuse for going out there and continuing down that path if, if he valued the relationship I had with him. Um, the funny thing about racism that's not very funny is it's a, it's a human uh, defect. So it's no one race has a monopoly on it. Uh, but when it's tied to power or the perception of power, because sometimes it's a perception of power that's, that's at play. Um, that's when you'd start to think about what the microaggressions do in a workplace, for example, where there was no ill intent, but the impact is definitely there. And the person who committed the act can't say that it wasn't racist. And the person who received the act uh, may feel that it was, um, but it's really about how we in society agree we ought to engage in and conduct ourselves with each other. And we're not there yet. We're still having to figure out how do we talk to each other? What's the right way to talk about, um, for example, the, the, the crimes against uh, those of Asian ethnicity? Uh, when we talk about things like where the virus came from and we associate anybody we see with that, with that message. Now, that's not everybody. It just seems like it because you see just that percolating up to the top. So it paints this picture that it's worse than it is. But at the same time, you can't tell other people how to feel. You can't tell them that it's not real in their lives. And so that understanding is really hard because we're all in the same sort of ecosystem, but we're experiencing it differently. Um, so when you talk about the, the macro aggressions, what we're really talking about are the things that are more institutional. Um, doesn't have to be tied to uh, intent or, or, or consciousness of, of the act. It's more about, you know, does the legacy of, of inequity in this country, uh, has it been cleansed from our institutions or does it still play out? And I think the answer is it depends. It depends on who the human beings are that sit atop, that, that have control of the culture, that set the tone. Sometimes it's there and sometimes it's a perception and sometimes people actively work to rinse that out of the, the culture. Um, so it's hard to apply a general rule in circumstances that really depend on so many variables. And that's why it's, it's both unfair to overstate it. And it's also unfair to understate it because it really depends on who you are and how you experience it. This is great. We're talking with Sherman Gillums on the Christina Silva show with an expose about realities that exist that aren't necessarily happy all the time. But once you have the power to identify what you have as a mental health issue, or you realize that you're at affected by micro or macro aggressions, identifying that problem gives you back the control to make a difference. And if you act positively and with love, thinking about the other person and giving them the benefit of the doubt, educating yourself online, visiting a website or joining a nonprofit organization, or becoming passionate about something in your community, you can make a difference because then you're accountable. Right, Sherman? 
Yes, ma'am. So now that we've focused on two very big topics, I want you to say to me what you think about systemic racism, because racism is very interesting that when we're born as humankind, we're all susceptible to racisms. So that way we become the culprits with the bigger culprits we necessarily can't change. And black lives do matter. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm trying to do here for our listeners is make sure that after the show, we're turning the mirror in. We're having that moment of self-love and self-conviction. What can we do about that? Find a way to be helpful. Um, I, I didn't include this in my biography, but my father was killed by a police officer and he was unarmed when I was a year old. Um, today, I, um, I work to save the lives of police officers by doing uh, suicide intervention, skills training. I want to be helpful. You know, I, I took my personal heart, heartache um, in, this, in this issue um, and turned it into something that will humanize those same individuals who have to make choices that a lot of us don't have to make when they go into homes and run toward the sound of fire. That doesn't excuse the bad apples, but it also uh, isn't fair to paint with a broad brush. So I've turned my pain into a reason to demonstrate that we can be bigger uh, than our lower selves. And, uh, and I choose to do that. And you have done that so well. I mean, you have an extensive background where housing, health, employment, and education really mean health. And you have really exuded a new enlightenment on the show by sharing what you just did about your loving father. We want to thank you for that. I know the courage it takes to talk about topics like this. And the show affects me every week that I produce it because I really mean it from the heart. And caring can come across in our photos on this live stream. So I just want to thank you for being a voice to the voiceless and an advocate, but moreover, a loving and compassionate comrade. Because out there, if we only touch one life with your story today, we have made a difference to lessen the 22 and one, and we're 86ing discouragement. We're going to make mental health a great topic. We're going to identify and look for answers, and we're going to be accountable. And Sherman, we have a couple of minutes to give you the microphone to thank some of those that are so important to you, starting with your queen, your children, and two mentors as we wrap up the Christina Silva Show. Well, I think uh, I want to thank my four daughters for being amazing individuals and allowing me to be their father and, and going out in the world and doing uh, things that are making me proud right now. Uh, they're all either in college or running their own businesses. Uh, my son is a great eight-year-old kid doing well in school. And my wife is a Afghanistan war veteran who continues to take this journey with me. So, Well, to our Army soldiers, I'll say hua. And I serve with the Rough Riders and the Los Angeles Battalion as a community partner. Ma'am, thank you so much. You really know how to pick them. And you've got a great king who's not afraid to stand up for the Marine Corps. And now he'll be forced onto the ship with his daughter singing our anthem. And we want to say to all those that have served Thank you for your service from the Christina Silva Show, the Cinco de Mayo, in the opening of Mental Health Awareness Month with our decorated guest, Sherman Gillums. And you can find more about Sherman in his five-year strategic plan, along with the NAMI.org team. The VA Crisis Hotline is open to you to make that call at 800-273-8255. And guess what? You can call me, Christina Silva, by going to our charitable page and filling out a short template, and it's got my real phone number on it. So visit camis2civvies.org. That's camis like camouflage uniform number two, civvies like civilian.org. Sherman, in your camis, tell us what you've been, and in your civvies, tell us who you are as we go to the break. I have been a voice for the voiceless in my civvies, and I have been a mentor to America's young men 
who seek a greater identity and a higher purpose. And I'm proud of that. Most definitely. And we use the acronym HEHE to remind you that if you've served 180 days or even maybe one day, check out the VA.gov and try to make a claim to redeem your benefits in housing, mental health, gainful employment, and higher education. Because School of Business Harvard winner is Sherman Gillums Jr. And he's with us today. And we're educating our veterans live about hope and creative resiliency solutions. And we're going to hear from Sherman and NAMI.org's express ways to identify suicidal tendencies, anxieties, depressions, and we'll learn how to help the caregiver receive what they truly need, like Mrs. Gillums and the kids. What about dependents of military veterans and those that are abled but disabled and need extra special choice care? Keep listening to The Christina Silva Show. We're live on Voice America because they've given their time to know that Cammy's Two Civvies means you're a civilian in your uniform and you're ready to give back with your boots on the ground. Right, Truman? Right. You just say yes because you want me to be quiet and bring you back for the next segment of the Christina Silva Show. We'll be closing out with more riveting information from Sherman Gillums. Thank you to Voice America and our sponsors, Paco's Tacos of Las Vegas. They're located conveniently next to the Strip and about eight miles from Nellis Air Force Base. That's right. Christina is CRS, your broker from California to Nevada, helping you redeem your VA home loan eligibility. That's BS.0146109. And Beverly Hills Webs. We're launching our new website at Cammy's to Civvies so you can get your gear ready to make that call to action. And Sherman's going to stick around to tell us how you can become part of the next events at NAMI because walking makes a difference and so does rolling on two or four wheels with CRS. And the show is brought to you by Voice America's Variety Channel and several other sponsors we want to thank. It would not be possible without producing CRS workshops. This show truly means educating our veterans live is a community responsibility. And we're going to learn more right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Join our call to action and meet CRS, your host of the Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. CRS founded Cami's Two Cities C2C Foundation to bring diversity, mental health awareness, housing, employment, and higher education resources to the forefront. Honor our heroes. Visit Cammy'sTwoCivvies.org. Make a difference with Voice America and CRS, your Marine Corps veteran advocate for justice. The Christina Silva Show, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hoorah, Semper five. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Christina Silva Show, educating our veterans live. If you'd like to call in during our live show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. For more information about the show, email crsprods at gmail.com. That's crsprods at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. 
And we are back. I'm your host, Christina Silva, United States Marine Corps veteran. And now we have the regiment of our guest returning with us to make this segment explosive. And his name is Sherman Gillums. We were talking about triggers and we identified micro and macro aggressions in the workplace. We also talked about discriminations by our 10 protected classes, and we shared benefits about mental health, making it palatable as a conversation we should confront and make natural talks. And Sherman, now we want to go into a more serious topic. And the VA also has resources alongside NAMI about sexual assault. You know, one of the, one of the joys of my life was serving in the Marine Corps, uh, but the downside was in understanding just how prevalent and how, how baked into the DNA, not just in the Marine Corps, but our military, that this culture of, of, uh, of uh, depersonalization of certain individuals. And in this case, we're talking about victims of sexual assault, how prevalent it is. And it's made prevalent, not simply because you have people who commit the acts, but because you have systems that's not inclined to believe survivors or to, or they give too much benefit of the doubt to individuals who are accused uh, and in many cases, that's not justice. It's not justice for the individual who's accused. Um, in some cases, they go on to offend again. Um, and it's not justice for the people who came into the military with with open eyes and with this trust that the people in their leadership chain would 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 honor their lives and honor their existence. And when they find out that the systems are operating against them, uh, there's a high profile case of Marine. Corporal Tay U, who sits in the Chesapeake Brig right now because after being sexually assaulted uh, in Okinawa and, and coming back to the United States and having issues with her mental wellness, uh, she requested a separation and wasn't granted the separation on top of the fact that um, her, her issues weren't being treated. They weren't being recognized by the unit. And she eventually was in a position where uh, her mental illness became construed as criminal behavior. And, and some of the things that happened subsequent to that uh, were just illustrations of how much work we have to do in this area. So um, again, I have four daughters who uh, I never want to have uh, any anybody come tell me that something like that happened to them. And one's in the military, one's at the Naval Academy getting ready to start her career. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I couldn't imagine being a father who has to have that news come to him um, but I can empathize with other fathers who do live that nightmare. And I don't want to do my best to stop it because uh, we're a better military when, when, we're, when we're better about sexual assault. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's just a very, very compassionate and empathetic view when I listen to you about what you've suffered. But no one knows until they're truly the victim or the family member that suffers the loss or the trauma. And so we don't want to make light of that. In fact, we take a moment of silence on every Christina Silva show to truly be cognizant, be thankful, be a patriot, and to remember. So let us do that right now, Sherman. Let's make a moment of silence and say, in God we trust. And may God bless everyone that has suffered a trauma, pre, post, and military service, and also for the families that are caregivers and those that have lost dependents and loved ones. Let us have a moment of silence. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for your patronage and your listenership and your support to the Christina Silva show. Um, this is my therapy. This is the show that I broadcast and the platform that has kept me alive and connected me to so 
many retirees and fellow disabled American veterans. And if it had not been for the Los Angeles Air Force Base Retirees Activity Office and community outreach and creating the charity, Cami Sisivis, I wouldn't be here today. I can honestly say as a mother of two and delivering my baby in the first suite at the Camp Pendleton Hospital, Naval Hospital at Camp Pendleton. He was the first baby ever born without empathy, being locked in a footlocker and called names and spat upon and sent pregnant and lactating for uh, co-ed deployment during the Persian Gulf era and losing my father who served in the army and sharing my story with Sherman. He didn't know that about me. <clears throat> Lots of people don't know that about me. And every time I repeat the story, I'm hoping that my, my realization 25 to 30 years later after service, it affects me now. Now is when I can use the power to say I have these anxieties, to admit that I could have been a better parent to my kids. I did not know they were suffering from secondary PTSD until the names came out in the early 2000s that we shouldn't call it shell shock. It's actually a complex series of photographic images and memories and age that then calls up these happenings to each and every soldier and it's not a cookie cutter fix. We all have to be very patient and very bold and also very aware of the signs and triggers to end the suicides and make the risks decrease. It is an absolute no laughing matter call to action. I'm, I'm smiling usually through the body of the show, but I feel that I deserve to give Sherman the honor and respect he deserves for coming to the show today with his large arena of leadership and advocacy promises to this nation and to his tribe, his comrades. I want to tell the story for female veterans, for multi-ethnic veterans, for those that are from a Creole background. They're not black enough. They're not two or more races. There is no box to check for the LGBT. I mean, for sexual assault, it comes in many layers and gender discrimination is one of them. But today, we have the subject matter expert, we have the host, and we have you to say, we care, I care, the Veterans Administration cares. And Sherman, to you and your dad, your sacrifice and for your family, to have your wife and your daughters and your kids fit in every category of a military family and a family that wants to be in volunteerism. The philanthropy is priceless, and so is our freedom. So when you go out there and put on your mask and you see the flag waving, it is not something to say that your right is not to wear a mask. You must understand what Sherman is going to say about old glory. Sherman, I hope that you're enlightened about my story. I love you as a brotherhood for the Marines. And I hope people see a different side of me when I talk about my family because they're my family. I have the right to talk about my maternal connection but not to my son's right to their privacy. And that's what I want you to do is to know how much I care and thank you for coming on the show today. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I think that all of us are, you know, we're all chapters of a, of a bigger novel about our society. And I think having outlets like these is, is the best way for us to fully appreciate who, who we're interacting with in society. And so when we get, you know, when we get angry, I mean, there's a lot of anger and tension in the air, uh, but sometimes it helps to pull back and ask the question, are you okay? And I've made it a practice in this time to um, look beyond the, the obvious gut reactions we have, especially when we get 
when politics becomes the issue that we talk about, um, at the end of the day, we all want peace in our lives. We all want the same things. And we all have histories that uh, in many cases are unresolved uh, issues. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, facts I like to point out about young people who join the military is most are more likely to have a mental illness. Uh, women are more likely to have at least one sexual assault before they join the military, right. which is why when they go to combat, it's, it's complicated. It's not they went to combat and then suddenly they had issues. A lot of them were running from something. And, um, and it, that's males as well. Uh, and they're more likely to have masked over some of those issues because you're in an environment where stoicism is rewarded. But it, it, it shows up in suicide statistics on the other end when the transition is harder than, say, someone retiring from a 30-year career at GM or Ford. You know, the transition is tough on folks in the military because that, that was a safe haven from some of the issues you faced back home. And uh, there has to be a greater interest in who the individuals are when I get them as a drill instructor. I mean, most of the time we're putting through a, a process that's traumatic unto itself. Uh, but you start to see the signs that we're dealing with youth as a generation who have got more going on, almost too much going on. Um, and we need to be very mindful of, uh, of, of these human beings that we're turning into fighting machines, which is part of the process. But let's not act like it's, it's not foreseeable that we're going to have suicide numbers a little bit higher in this population when we understand who they are when we get them, what we put them through. And then the, 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 the uh, hardship that happens when they have to take off that identity and go back to their lives of, uh, of being those, those people that they were before they joined, if they, if they can even be that. In many cases, they've been changed so much that they don't even recognize who they are. Um, so we need, to, we need to accept that that's a price of freedom. Um, and we need to own some of that problem a bit more in society. Well, it's a tall order to host the show and share our story, Sherman, because someone is in depression right now. Someone's on their final hour contemplating that suicide. Someone may be hungry. Someone may be cold, homeless, hot, or sick. Someone else needs you to know the signs like excessive worrying, feeling anxious, feeling low, looking confused, asking odd questions, saying something strange, exhibiting moods or prolonged feelings of anger or excited happiness for days in a row, changes in their sex drive, eating habits, difficulties understanding average conversation, and also perceiving realities that are maybe a delusion or a hallucination. These are items and triggers and signs we can be aware of as normal citizens in our camis to our civvies. But if you have seen someone close to you or it's you, you can call a professional. You can start with the VA crisis hotline. You can start with your church. You can even start with your local family member or NAMI.org, CamisToCivvies.org. But the VA crisis hotline is where you can call if you're a veteran or someone in uniform that's on active duty. Please call the VA. Learn about your claim. Learn about your health benefits because if the VA can't help you, there are thousands and thousands of organizations that can. And you can keep on listening to the show until you build up the courage to reach out and get involved. So once again, we have Sherman Gillums Jr. here today. He shared so many highlights from his personal life and from his family life and as a leader. He learned how to separate church and state. How did he do it? Higher education. Congratulations to our Harvard Business School winner. 
Tell us about that accomplishment from an international standpoint competing. I see that large smile on your face, Marine. That was pretty cool because I wasn't a, a Harvard type. I mean, I did very well in school, but I never thought a campus like that was going to be for me. And I got an opportunity to use my 9-11 GI Bill um, to, to earn my way into that classroom. And one of the um, courses of instruction involved putting together a, a strategy. Uh, and then we'd have to brief the entire class. And the class was 300 people strong. And, and, um, and, and, the, and the professor sat around at the top of the, the dais. It kind of looks like a, a coliseum sort of setup. And they have to judge, you know, who put on the best presentation. And in my case, I had to do it with a nonprofit. I mean, these were corporate types, you know, I was in competition with, and I had to take a nonprofit and have it interpreted in, in, in the same sense that you would uh, a, a corporation for the purpose of strategy. And they thought it was a real novel approach to talking about mission and cause work uh, through, the, through the lens of profit, where the profit wasn't the money. The capital was reputation and the things that give nonprofits their, their capital um, or their, their, their value. Um, but I was crowned the winner and I, and I didn't expect it. I mean, I just did the best I could with, with the knowledge I had. And I was pretty surprised when I was recognized with that distinction. Uh, so to this day, I, I, I got those bragging rights and my one moment uh, at Harvard Business School was, uh, was captured in that opportunity. Congratulations. You're in such a staunch professional office setting background on the Christina Silva Show. I know some of your awards also include your master's degree from the San Diego area and you live in D.C. What better place to be dangerous because your favorite quote reads, if you want to make enemies, try to change something. Share with Uh, you more. You're relevant when you, you know, when people like status quo and they resist change a lot of times. It means you're doing something right. And I'm now, you know, there's there's things you can do that aren't productive. But uh, but for the most part, when you're trying to do something positive, you're going to find that there are interests tied to the status quo. And and you matter more when your enemies list grows, when you're trying to do the right thing. So I, I give that advice to young executives all the time. Don't be afraid to disrupt or, or go against convention because it's probably going to set you apart from uh, from your peers who are who are not as willing to display that courage. Most definitely. Your Facebook page is open to the masses at Sherman Gillum Jr. And you can see him neatly dressed in his designer suits, but he can still don his military uniform and he fits in it. Now it's time to cap on your tribe, Sherman. Tell us about some of the fellas. Wow. Um, I, you know, I recently uh, just thought about all the years I spent growing up with people from across the spectrum of, of, uh, sociodemography and and we're all different in so many ways but didn't know the differences we all just kind of lived in our bubble of of uh, uh youthful uh ignorance and, and happiness um and then i went into the marine corps and I, and I was a kid i mean these were i was 17 18 years old and today all those same guys are dads and they're it's amazing because their kids look just like them or us when we were that age and it's like they're just they're just like these little uh <laughs> you know, many me's of, of all of us and they're living their lives, but we all get to appreciate what it's like to live a life where you can see the end of that journey because so many people never get to that point. And, and the more I look at my, uh, my graduating class, uh, the more I appreciate uh, that I'm still here while others can't see it. 
Well, we know that we can say to our fans and listeners around the world that we've made a really big stand today. And there are quotes and readings that you can do to find out your passion. And mine happens to be as a voice on the radio advocating for the less fortunate, meaning the less fortunate that don't know how many millions of programs there are to redeem at the VA. I have never had a regret or moment of dismay about my Marine Corps service. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And so are some of the circumstances I have overcome. We do transform, adapt, and overcome with Esprit Decor. Sherman, I want to thank you for such an amazing appearance today on the show, and it will be available 365 on the Voice America Variety channel, where World Talk Radio is reaching over 160 countries and with 3.5 million listeners. And if we affect just one, we've done our job to keep educating our veterans live. I want you to stay tuned because I'm going to be bragging about you all during the month of May, Mental Health Awareness Month. And at NAMI.org, I just may make a contribution for your efforts today about a secondary appearance. Sherman, would you be up for it? Of course. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Information, we want you to stay tuned to the Christina Silva Show. This is our very first live broadcast, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. And in the East Coast, it's 8 p.m. And Sherman, we want you to stay healthy and fit and know that resilience is mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And with every Christina Silva Show, we taught you new words and new phrases like faith, being a fearless ambassador intending to help others, and also about micro and macro aggressions. Don't stand for it. Do what Sherman does. Make a difference and open your mouth. And don't be afraid. And we'll be back next week with more influences from great resources like our Holy Bible, where it says, love thy neighbor as thyself and keep your enemies close. Let's drop the mic, be safe, and we'll see you next time on The Christina Silva Show. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Christina Silva Show. Be sure to check back for new episodes every Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon and Semper Fi.